are listening to the AI with Maribel Lopez podcast, or AI with ML. If this is your first time listening, thank you for joining. The AI with ML podcast is produced bi-weekly with occasional bonus episodes. This podcast shares the stories of the people behind the new world of data and AI. What are they creating and why does it matter? If you like this episode, please subscribe so you can easily find the podcast again. You can also share your feedback and ideas with me on Twitter and LinkedIn. All links are in the show notes. Extended show notes can be found at AIwithML.com slash podcasts. I hope you'll enjoy the show. Hello, and welcome back to the podcast. I'm Maribel Lopez, and this is the AI with Maribel Lopez podcast. And today we are joined here with Bob Friday, who is the Chief AI Officer and CTO of the Enterprise for Juniper Networks. Hey, Bob, how are you? You know, doing great, Maribel. Great to be here. And as I tell people, I never believe I in my career as a Chief AI Officer, but here we are. You know, Bob, I've seen you through a lot of different iterations of the career, and it's always been something new and exciting. And it actually doesn't surprise me at all that you're an AI, that you would have found that and that it would have found you. And that probably leads us to our first question. And that's, you know, in in my opinion, you've been at the forefront of working with AI in the networking field for some time. Uh, And that used to be an AI always spoke about was chips and everything was about GPUs and CPUs that maybe could act like GPUs. But I thought maybe you could spend a moment discussing what you believe has changed in the AI landscape since you've been in it from a networking standpoint. Maybe tell us, for example, um, what we couldn't do several years ago that we can now do today or how you see that whole thing evolving. Yeah, you know, for me personally, right, you know, I started my career in the wireless space, you know, and this whole adventure really started back at uh, during the Cisco adventure. We were talking to some big customers about putting some customer experiencing on their network. And they basically told Sudami, he's like, we're not putting anything on this network until you can promise us, you know, that things are not going to crash. You can give code to us faster. And more importantly, you know, you can basically guarantee that the user is going to have a great experience. You know, and that's kind of where the change started, that paradigm shift from managing network elements to really managing this end-to-end user experience. And that's where AI ops actually got to the things. You know, and what I've seen has changed, you know, the 30 some years that I've been doing this, um, you know, 30 years ago, I did my master's and I actually did it with uh, neural networks. And, you know, I th- you know, so what I've seen personally change is these neural networks have gotten really big now that they can do something interesting. Right. And, and I think that's what we're seeing with AI. You know, it's really just the next step in the evolution of automation. Right. And that is what is changing. And if you really look at the Google data, this interesting data point, you know, when did this AI thing take off? If you look at Google, it took off around 2014. Mm-hmm. That's when all the ML searches. If you look back in 2014, what really came together was a combination of open source. Right. We saw all the libraries come out that let us start to build interesting AI things. Models got big enough. Right. That's kind of when all the cloud got big enough where. Yeah, I had enough compute and storage. You know, 30 years ago, I was shipping software on a Linux box. Barely had enough, <laughs> barely had enough. Yeah. You know, now I've got access to AWS, Google, Azure. You know, there is no limit to compute and uh, storage now. It's just a, a matter of how much your how much your Amazon bill is going to be a month. So I would say that is the big change I've seen over my 30 years is 
things have come together now where you can actually build things that we talked about 30 years ago. Thank goodness. And and I agree with you. And, and cloud has been a big part of that. So what we see happening now is there's a great deal of AI marketing in the tech space. I mean, it's everywhere. Basically, everyone is rolling out an AI-enabled product. And it seems hard for enterprise buyers to understand and evaluate the various solutions because everybody says they're doing AI. So you've been in this for a while and you have some perspectives of what may be AI, what may not be AI, but just from your perspective, what are some examples of functionality or criteria that companies should be looking for in AI solutions? Yeah. So, so this is another funny story, Maribel. When I, you know, when I talk to analysts like you, they're like, hey, Bob, I, we cannot tell the difference between your PowerPoint and your competitor's PowerPoint. Yeah. From a PowerPoint perspective, it all looks the same. Now, I could tell you one of the reasons and people ask me, say, you know, why did we decide, you know, why did Sujay and I decide to build an access point when we started MIST, right? It's not because I thought the world needed another wireless access point. Uh, it's because I really wanted to make sure I could get the data I needed to answer the question of why are you having a bad internet experience? And so if you look at back to your other question, what's the difference between now and you know, 30 years ago, 20 years ago, when I did airspace, one of the differences, the data we're sending back, right? You know, 20 years ago, I was sending back data every minute or two minutes back to a controller synchronously. You know, one of the paradigm shifts here at MIST now, I'm now sending data back on the user asynchronous. You know, we're keeping track of every user minute on the network, not the network element, but the user minute. So I think that is one thing when I talk to people about Data is making sure, you know, does the vendor, you have the right data you need to answer the question you're trying to answer. I think the other thing I've learned, you know, in leaving Cisco to do MIST was I knew I had to build this real-time cloud architecture, you know, that forced me to, you know, okay, I got to get a blank sheet of paper. Uh, but the other thing was really around I had to organizationally change, making sure my data science team could work with my customer support team. Because when you move to this cloud AI model, really the support team is a proxy for your customers. You know, and what I tell most customers or people, you know, you should ask your vendor, are they actually using their own AI ops solution for their support team? If they're not, they have not started the journey to cloud AI ops. You know, so the first step on starting that journey is trying to make your own support team happy. Because the fewer support tickets that they see is the fewer support tickets your customers are sending you. So that is the first step on the journey to cloud AOPS. So let's just stop there for a second, because some people that are listening to the podcast may have varying levels of familiarity with the term AI ops. Could you define the term AI ops for the audience? Yeah, I mean, so when I say AI ops, usually what I talk about, and I agree with you, people are confused because Really, this is just the next step in what they've been doing for 30 years, right? You know, we've been automating networks, doing all, a lot of machine learning, regression algorithms. We've been doing that for a long time. The fundamental difference of what we're doing now is we're starting to build solutions that have the cognitive reasoning skills mm -hmm. of a human, right? Yeah. We're building solutions that can deploy and operate networks on par with human IT domain experts. And so the subtle difference between the automation we're doing now with deep learning versus machine learning, and when I say deep learning, these are actual models that we train with tons of data. This is like that chat GPT thing, right? 
This is, you know, where we're taking Zoom and Teams data and building models that can actually predict your user experience. So I think that is the subtle difference when people try to understand the difference between ML, machine learning, and the difference between these new deep learning models. And so when I say AI ops, we're usually talking about some sort of deep learning where we're continuously learning something about the network. And these tools that the IT department is going to use, they're almost like hiring a person, right? You know, you're bringing on this virtual AI assistant that doesn't do the same thing every day. In the old times, we built things that were very deterministic. You build the model and it did it. Now we're bringing on these AI assistants that feel more like an, a new intern. You know, someone you have to learn to trust. You have to learn what they can and cannot do. And you got to trust they're going to get better at what they're doing. And that's that continuous learning. You know, that this AI assistant model is going to learn your network and get better at what it's doing. Well, and what I love what you just spoke about as well is also the fact that it's the network connecting to the app. It's the full, you know, OSI stack experience, right? So we're starting to see that whole loop come together, which I think the app was very disconnected from that before. So that's another good piece of insight. So one of the things that we're seeing in the marketplace is that companies are looking to have strategic vendors to build platforms that run the business. So we have this uh, sort of pendulum where we go back and forth between whether or not we want lots of best of breed, whether or not we want platforms. It seems like we're in a platform phase. And I know that Juniper Networks has specifically talked about building something it called an AI native networking platform. Uh, that's a lot of words together, AI native networking platform. But can you tell us what that is and what it means for customers? Yeah, you know, the, the funny thing is, you know, like when Suji and I were at Cisco, you know, we're trying to make this decision, right? You know, should we stay, you know, do this at Cisco, go off and start a company? And so when you say AI native, it's really like saying you would need to start the blank sheet of paper. Right. And what people don't fully appreciate is, you know, if you're going to build an AI native foundation, what we realized is that we really needed a blank sheet of paper to build a new real time architecture. Right. I knew I had to build an architecture that could ingest data real time and do something with that data. Right. That turns out, and it also a different software architecture. Right. You know, when you go from kind of building software on a Linux box, to building microservices in the cloud, that that by itself brings a ton of value to customers, right? Just getting data to the cloud brings a lot more visibility and observability, but it also brings a lot of reliability, right? That's what's the difference between a cloud environment and a controller environment is that software architecture. Those blast radius gets smarter. So when my location crashes, it doesn't affect my controller wireless piece of the puzzle, right? So that is kind of the thing I take, think is different when people say AI native. Um, and I think if you actually look what's going on in the marketplace right now, I think it kind of reflects where we are right now. You know, how did MIST become a leader? It was basically that bet that there really was an architectural change happening in the industry, right? Moving to cloud AI ops is not something you're just going to bolt onto an existing framework. You really need to go down to that native foundation and start from scratch. You know, I agree that this is something that's so important. It's almost like we're at the opportunity with so many parts of this tech stack to just hit a refresh button and say, okay, let's, if we were going to do it from today onward, what would it look like? And I think that 
to me is what AI native means, just like cloud native was sort of the iteration yeah. before this, you know, now we've got AI native. So uh, insight, automation, virtual assistants, conversational interfaces, these are all really hot topics in the AI space. And you have a product in the space called Marvis. Um, I love that name, by the way. <laughs> uh, <laughs> it's such a cool name. Uh, can you explain to the audience what Marvis is and how it's evolved since its introduction? Yeah, you know, so Marvis is basically a accumulation, accumulation of all the different attributes we've been talking about here, right? You know, so conversational interface is one of those attributes of Next Assistant. And what I tell people is, if you look back over the last 20 years, we kind of moved from CLIs to dashboards. The next really next user interface is really going to be these natural language user interfaces to really help people interact, not just with networking. I think you're going to see it across all the industries, right? This is going to become the next big thing. And that's what ChatGPT really brought. We always had kind of the natural understanding piece. What we didn't have is the natural generation piece. Right. And that is what ChatGPT is really bringing that natural language ChatGPT that we actually can start interacting, you know, with people and IT teams in a very more, very much more natural way. I think the other thing attribute of Marvis is this continuous learning. Right. And this is that piece of, you know, hey, we're moving from machine learning and moving to this deep learning automation where you're continuously learning a network, right? You're continuously building models, you're continuously ingesting. Zoom data, Teams data, right? So as the network changes or something changes, the models are continuously adapting to what those changes are. You know, so that's kind of the continuum, conversational interface, continuous learning. And finally, there is the action frame, this action framework. At the end of the day, you want to take all these insights and turn it into some recommendation or some action. And I think that's the industry change we're seeing also is we're moving from that SNMP raw event world where we used to send up thousands of events up to something above us to where these systems are now sending up more AI relevant events, right? We're not seeing up raw events. We're taking these raw events from the network and actually translating it into something that is actionable. So I think those are the three main attributes of Marvis going forward. Think conversational interface, think Marvis action framework and continuous learning. That is the new piece that's disrupting everything. Okay. So in a way we can think of this as the evolution of what we originally talked about is self-driving networks. Yeah. I mean, if you think about self, we're on that journey right now. I mean, the analysis I give to people, you know, when it comes to AI, and uh, I don't know, I suspect you're not a skeptic, right? I would tell you, the number of AI skeptics has gone down. But I think what people are seeing now, you look at the healthcare, right? You know, I don't think, I think anybody who goes to their doctor, they're going to want to know that that doctor is using the latest and greatest AI for helping diagnose their disease, cancer, right? And we're seeing it with cars, right? Say, we may not be a self-driving cars, but you're going to want to know that that car has the latest and greatest AI. If you're going to buy a car for your kid who's learning to drive, you're going to want to make sure it has all the latest and greatest safety. So I think the same thing is happening in our networking industry. You know, when you connect to a network, you're going to want to know that it's using the latest and greatest AI to make sure that we have a great Zoom internet experience. Makes total sense. And like we said earlier, you know, connecting it up to the app and what you're trying to do. So we, we've been talking about um, experience. I know you and I talked about uh, experience first networking a while ago. 
And it seems like AI actually helps us get one click deeper into that. So so we have Marvis, now we've got Marvis Minis. I think that's actually quite cool too. So <laughs> so, so um, when people hear Marvis Minis, you were just outlining, um, outlining the Marvis framework. Tell me where Marvis Minis fits into that. Yeah, so, so Marvis, we started, I mean, Marvis does a great job when you have users on the network trying to understand if they're having a good experience or not, right? You know, and when I, you know, for those who know me, I make a barrel of wine every year. And it's like, you know, great wine starts with great grapes, great AI starts with great data. So the question is, what do you do when there is no one on your network? You know, you need data, still have data to do any great AI. So Marvis Minis is our answer to the problem of day one networking. How do we make sure that network is going to work before we turn it on? How do we make sure that network is ready to go at eight o'clock in the morning when all the users are going to come on it? So you think of minis as a synthetic user in the network that Marvis can send around and gather up the data needs to make sure that you're going to have a great internet connection on day one, eight o'clock, whenever you're ready to get on that network. So that's Marvis minis coming coming to the market. You know, it's interesting because um, there's, particularly as we think about the AI landscape in general, there's been a lot of talk about digital twins. And this is sort of the concept of digital twinning for the network, you know, trying to simulate something, see what happens. I also like the idea because I think there's a great opportunity to uh, take synthetic data and test all different kinds of things, which is basically exactly what you you said um, Marvis Minis is going to do and you know, help people simulate or have a, have a user that simulates what the experience might look like on a network before the network goes live. And, you know, we see lots of opportunities in AI to have either this type of experience, or if you don't have the data, you need to actually create synthetic data that you can run with models to try to create the type of model that you want to do. So pretty exciting work you guys are doing. And I think it's going to be really interesting for uh, people as they think of next generation networks, right? Because it's it's a different animal than what we've had in the past. Now. We see that the market is changing very rapidly. I know that you see the market's changing very rapidly. Uh, maybe you could give us a bit of a look ahead. You know, what are some of the things that Juniper is looking forward to? Maybe it's topics like AI ops or other key topics you'd like to address. Yeah, I mean, back to the three attributes of Marvis. I think you're going to see conversational interfaces become that standard interface going forward. You know, I think it's a slow progression, as you know, but I. It's hard to move people off CLI. We've been trying to get people off CLIs for 20 years. So that's an endless line battle. interface will never die, folks. <laughs> <laughs> It'll never die. It'll be. But I think we're going to see, you know, natural language interfaces becoming used for both public documents, you know, trying to basically find out what's going on. You're going to see it become a, um, even an alternative for business intelligence, right? For exploring your network data, you know, and you're going to start to see that natural, that conversational interface become part of your real-time troubleshooting experience. Um, so you're gonna see that evolve. I think what we're gonna see evolving faster is this continuous learning. You know, we saw what happened with ChatGPT when these models got big, right? You kind of saw, you know, hey, we started to get bigger and bigger models, more data training. Uh, we're gonna to start to see that continuous learning part in networking get more powerful, just like we saw with ChatGPT. And that all results into more self-driving action frameworks, networks that are going forward. So that's where I see us heading networking is that next step in the evolution, like I said before, automation, right? We're just going to, we're taking automation to the next level. So I, I love the way that you've kind of capstone some of the changes in AI, but if there's like 
one or two things that you'd like to close with that you'd like to leave the audience thinking about with AI, what would it be? Yeah, you know, when I try to summarize more of us, I usually try to remind them, you know, like I said with the wine, you need to have the right data. You know, that leads to the right response recommendation. And on top of that, you have to have an AI native infrastructure, secure infrastructure. Makes perfect sense to me. We call those uh, right time experiences, uh, right information, right person, right time on the right device. So very similar concept. Now, we usually like to leave the audience with a new learning opportunity. And I know that you do a lot of learning yourself, as do I. Um, is there a book, a podcast, an activity that you'd like to recommend to the audience? It could be tech related or not. Yeah, it's, you know, so of late, I've been working on it all in. And uh, I met someone named Aviar Antec, right? And he'd been working, doing great work on LLM um, and for networking type of things. And he's actually written a book called Machine Learning for Network and Cloud Engineers Get Ready for the Era of Network Automation. So that's on my latest reading list right now. Uh, And it kind of plays into that theme of next generation of automation, right? Awesome. Well, Bob, thank you for your time and attention. And we always look forward to hearing what you're building and what you'll build next. Uh, if anybody wants to connect to you, where can they reach out? Yeah, well, you know, AI Ops, this is my latest topic dear to my heart. I would just reach out to me on LinkedIn. Always have to chop, chat about AI Ops. Awesome. Bob Friday, Juniper Networks, Maribel Lopez, Lopez Research. Thanks for listening. Until next time. Thank you for listening. Show notes, subscription links, and additional content can be found at aiwithml.com slash podcasts. Until next time, wishing you all the best.